Well, hello there, and welcome back to the second episode of my story. Toulouse Chat here, and you may remember me from the first episode, or you may recognize me from my acting career. In any case, there's a familiar figure sauntering down the alleyway, and he'll say the same thing he always says in greeting to his grandchildren. Hey there, have you seen the elephant jump the fence? And of course, we would all look around because we were sitting on the fence, waiting for Abe the Rag and Bones man to come down the alley with his horse and cart. You'll probably remember, or maybe you won't. In episode one, Zoe had insisted her father register for the next stage of his life at St. Anthony's. She wasn't doing the other residents any favors by doing that. We saw the kind of character Carl was in his conversation with his friend Siegfried. Remember, I relayed the conversation between the two of them after watching from the window of the coffee shop and reading their lips. Well, now as you can plainly see, we were at Carl's new home, St. Anthony's. Zoe insisted on bringing me here because she says I am some kind of therapy animal. What the hell? They bring me in here and let all kinds of strangers rub me up and down like I'm some kind of teddy bear. What? You would probably be upset too if I took you to a cat house and let all the residents rub you up and down. Anyways, to each his own. I'm just going to wander about. Hmm, oh, what have we here? It's Sister Margaret's office. Hmm, this place is messier than my litter box. She's sitting on the phone trying to sell her retirement home to a customer. She's so involved in selling, she doesn't even notice Juanita slipping quietly into the room and sitting to wait patiently till Gabby has finished her sales pitch. Let's listen to what Sister is saying. Well, yes, yes, Mrs. Capelli. This sounds like a perfect setting for your mother's golden years. As long as she can feed and clothe herself, she'll get along just fine at St. Anthony's. Although we are not a medical facility, we can assist your mom with her medications and we have a doctor on call. Certainly, if you would like to come for a visit, just give me a call and we'll arrange for a tour. We hope to hear from you soon. Goodbye. Now, what can we do for you, Juanita? Sister, I... Uh, not sure of. Come on, Juanita. Tell me what's on your mind. I'm very busy today with board meetings, visitor tours. I really have no time to waste. Well. See, I see Boris with pants down. He's not in the right room. He in my room. 217. You see, sister? Be in my room, my section where Miss Grundy sleep. I help Miss Grundy in room 217, section B. And Boris usually works in section A. Do you mean you saw Boris in the washroom? You see Boris in the washroom in section B? What story is this, Juanita? Perhaps Boris is helping you with your work in section B. You must find the right words. You know, Mrs. Grundy, no speak. I try to say right words, sister, but English 
not so good then. I say Miss Grundy sleep in bed and Boris near bed, no pants on. He looked at Miss Grundy. Juanita, Boris has been with us now for three years. And it's not right that you should tell these outrageous stories about a man who has three children to support. Now, I know that you are new to this country and that English is not your native language, but I find your story very hard to believe and I am not understanding it very well. I must advise you, however, that you must not repeat this story to anyone else. It could mean that you cannot work for us anymore as it would make for an acrimonious work atmosphere. If our working relations are poisoned, the ministry will investigate St. Anthony's and no one will have a job. Do you understand what I am saying, Juanita? Yes, sister, but I thought I'd speak for Ms. Grundy. I will not speak to anyone about Boris. Well, hello there. Here I am again, curious Toulouse, Toulouse La Chat. I'm watching Sister Margaret as she storms down the hall, heading towards who knows where. I think I'll follow and see where she ends up. Here she is at the kitchen, and according to my sources, she spends a lot of time speaking with John Bell, who has been the chief steward at St. Anthony's for 10 years. His wife, Claudette, works part-time at St. Anthony's, Money is tight for the Bells, who have two daughters still in school. John is known affectionately as Krabby by his staff. Krabby has been known to take home a few bags of groceries that he says the retirement home can't use. Sister Margaret is aware that John occasionally borrows kitchen supplies, but she prefers to turn a blind eye. The kitchen is small and sparse but John has managed to put together a large stew which is bubbling and steaming on the stove. Barely enough room to swing a cat, as Sister Margaret puts it. What? What kind of animal would swing a cat? Let's listen to Sister Margaret's cheery conversation with John, otherwise known as Krabby. Good morning, Mr. Bell. How's your day going so far? Not bad, Sister. I have a right fine Irish stew in the pot and the day is winding down. In a couple of hours, I'll be sitting with a brewski watching the Leafs game. Well, go easy on the sauce, John. It's the devil's brew. I've been thinking of ways to cut costs, John, and I wanted to discuss it with you before anyone else. John, you and I both know there is quite a bit of waste in food services. I know. These older folks pick away at their food like chickens. Well, that's exactly my point, John. I think it would be prudent for us to think of ways for us to cut costs. For example, how much breakfast cereal comes back to the kitchen untouched? Quite a bit untouched and lots barely touched. Same with the toast and eggs. Well, hear me out, John. I'm proposing that we, we recycle food that is untouched or barely touched. Some items, um, if already cooked, can simply be reheated and served the following day. Uh, I can't do that in all good conscience, sister. The food may have been contaminated being out in the open in the, in the dining room 
or it could have been infected with germs that would pass on to another resident. It goes against our regulations in the food services industry and the Canada Food Guide, never mind the Food Inspection Agency. John, you and I both know there's a lot of waste and I am administrator at St. Anthony's and I am asking you to help me with this food waste program. This is wrong, sister, on so many levels. It could spread disease is the main point. It's not fair on the residents who are not paying for recycled food. Further, it's hard enough to stay with the food guide. Enough, John. In this institution, I am arbiter of what is right and what is wrong. And my boss is God. Also, there are some people doing wrong by raiding the food services pantry. We won't say who, but is it wrong if he is feeding people who are hungry? Sister, you've, you've got me over a barrel. I'll start small with the dairy products. Breakfast milk and untouched eggs can be refrigerated until the following day. I'll do this, but under protest. Hmm. Under protest or not, you'd better come up with results and I'll be following this program carefully. Don't waste your time feeling sorry for people who have more money than you and I will ever see. The money saved will all go towards God's work. Have a good time watching the game, John. much better. Nice, quiet visiting garden at St. Anthony's. Few people sitting at different bistro tables in the garden. John is speaking with Juanita about how she's doing at St. Anthony's. Of course, both of them are out of sorts, having had troubling conversations with Sister Margaret. Well, in comparison to the banging and clatter in the kitchen. Ah, this is great. I think I'll lie down under the table in the shade and listen. It's a beautiful day, Juanita. Not a cloud in the sky. How are your family in Dominican? Very good. Mother very old and sick with diabetes. Do you mean diabetes? Yes, diabetes. Sometimes she falls down. My brother is a good man and he overlooks her, so she's safe. I understand. And how do you like working at St. Anthony's? Like old people very much. Many nice to me, but don't like Boris. Why would that be, Juanita? Boris Chekhov is your colleague and has been here for at least three years. He's always been nice to me. Yes, but he's not nice to old people. Here I am again, Toulouse. I'm starting to feel like a jack-in-the-box, popping up at every scene. I see over at another table, near the window, elderly Gloria Backway is sitting in conversation with her daughter, Michelle Silver. Gloria is appearing puzzled, and Michelle's finger 
points and gestures for emphasis as she speaks. Looks interesting. I think I'll move over because my hearing aid doesn't pick up voices from that distance. It's probably another thing, by the way, that you didn't know about cats. We need hearing aids. That's why we sometimes don't respond to suggestions made to us. At any rate, let's, let's listen in to mother and daughter's conversation. Mom, we've already discussed that, and you wanted me to serve as your power of attorney. And it would be a simple matter to change the will to name me as the sole executor. Oh, sweetheart, I don't want to hurt your sister Emily's feelings. You are already a co-executor, and I don't want any ill will after I'm gone. Well, Emily is so busy, she won't even notice. With her two jobs and now a single mom, she doesn't have time to concentrate on your will. You know I love you, Mom, and have done everything I can for you over the years, even while I'm trying to raise my, my own two daughters. I've always tried to be the sugar in your tea. And even though he's a busy lawyer, Dan has always made time to seek out the best advice for you. Please, Mom, let's make it as simple as possible at the time of your death. Is that too much to ask? Uh, I, I need time to think about this, Michelle. I must discuss the proposal with Emily. Emily might have time to come and see me this week sometime. here. I think I'll move over to another table. Apparently the newly arrived resident Hans is discussing daily events with his daughter Danielle. Hans is 70 years old and has developed Alzheimer's disease since the death of his wife a year ago. Danielle is 40 years old, married with two children. She works extended hours as a teller at the bank in order to have more time with her father at St. Anthony's. Let's do a little eavesdropping. So, I'm 70 now? Yes, Dad. What was the name of that woman I used to live with? Her name was Anne, Dad. She never comes to visit anymore. She died, Dad. Yes, I think she had cancer. She had cancer in her back, Dad, and it just kept growing. Oh, I'll need to be getting ready for the office soon. I, I'll be late. Dad, you're retired now. You don't have to go to the office. So I'm 70 now? I need to go home and cut the lawn. I sold the house, Dad. You sold the house? Did you get a good price for it? Yes, Dad. Is that why I'm living here now? Yes, Dad. St. Anthony's is a fine retirement home. Where is my car? 
We sold your car, Dad. Did you get a good price for it? Yes, Dad, we got a good price for it. Dad, did you know we finally took the training wheels off Jeff's bike? And he's so excited about riding around on his own. Good. Did you say he sold the car? Yes, Dad. So I guess I'm a foot soldier now, eh? Where do you live, by the way? We live in Mordenville, where we used to live. It's near Highway 8. Our house is near where your house used to be. But you, you sold our house? Yes, Dad. Did you get a good price for it? Here they are again. Look at those two guys. Carl and Siegfried. Sitting in an alcove in the corner of the room. Uh, discussing Carl's plans for his escape. Every time I see these two characters, I know something's up. There they are, hunched over their coffees, plotting the plan for the escape. Carl's voice is hushed as though he expects a cataclysmic event at any moment. Ah, let's, let's listen in. So, Carl, how's the romance at the home developing? Gloria and I are planning to be married within the next two years. We're sort of engaged, but I need to get a job and save some money. I don't have any of my own money since my daughter took over my life and my money. For God's sake, Carl, you're 87 years old. How in the hell are you going to do that? Keep your voice down, Ziggy. They said I couldn't escape from the POW camp, but I did it anyway with the help of a beautiful woman named Ingrid. My girlfriend now, Glory, is a bit of a faded rose, but she's kind in her own way, as was Ingrid. We all know kindness can, can be a vulnerability, a weakness in some which can be used to advantage. By the way, thanks for the loan of the Chrysler last week. It helped me get rid of an annoyance. I meant to ask you about that. The right front bumper was dented with some blood stains when I got the car back. What happened? I hit a deer. Sorry, I meant to tell you about that. My daughter will pay the damages. I'll speak to her about it. Listen, my plan to relocate has become more urgent. I just heard that Henry Rosenthal has been nosing around, asking questions at St. Anthony's, and according to my son-in-law, even at the ministry. Do you mean the infamous, infamous Nazi hunter? Yes, one and the same. He sees a war criminal under every rock. You and I both know officers simply follow the orders of other officers. It wasn't my idea to celebrate the Fur's 54th birthday with more slaughter. It was a second lieutenant trying to make a name and promotion for himself. But I had to follow orders, or I would have been shot. Also, I was becoming a nerd to the enormity of the whole concept of killing. In war, after a time, the people you kill become mere objects. Ziggy, you worked at the meatpacking plant and raised your family by slaughtering animals. You know you begin to see them as inanimate objects, not sentient beings. It was no different for me during the war. 
In fact, after several years believing the enemy were objects, not people, I can't say my worldview has changed much since the war. Some of the people in this hellhole needed to be put out of their misery. Someday it will be legal to do what I do. What are you talking about? I'm talking about making the world a better place for the Aryan race. It's people like the Nazi hunter who are preventing me from doing my duty. This is the reason I had to disappear from Camp 20. And it worked out better than I could have hoped. When I escaped, they thought I had drowned. They thought my body had been buried by Lake Muskoka. So I did disappear in New York State, thanks to the little boat Ingrid had waiting to take me to the dock. Well, I guess this is as good a spot as any to finish episode two. The story is unraveling slowly, like a spool of yarn. I love unraveling yarn. But I think episode three will answer some of your questions. Hopefully you'll tune in next time for the completion of my confabulation. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. If you've enjoyed the story so far, please recommend us to your friends and family. You can also rate and review our efforts so far. This podcast is about the confabulations of Toulouse-le-Chat and the stories he's heard in his travels. The Rust Belt Predator is a fable he heard some time ago. Think about it. If two or more of your family members get together and try to remember an incident from the past, there's bound to be confabulation. Perhaps all fiction is confabulation and vice versa. In episode three, we'll try to find the truth in the web of confabulation we've spun so far. Tune in to the next episode to learn some answers to the mystery of the Rust Belt Predator. Thanks for listening. We are the Hammer City Players and all our important and much-loved members of the Treblecock Troop. Margaret is Juanita and Gloria. Martha is Sister Margaret and Michelle. Timothy is John Bell. Michael is Inspector Thompson and Rod Bevan. Richard is various. I'd also like to thank the feline members of our cast and crew, Toulouse, of course, myself, and Mango, who provided the hungry meows. That, that cat is always hungry. And Dauphine, who was a perfect model for our cover art of the laughing cat. The sound editor was Michael Treblecock. The story was adapted from a script, The Rust Belt Predator, written by R. Treblecock. Speaking locations were Southern Ontario and Hanoi, Vietnam. We'll see you at the movies. <laughs>